Today on Sagittarian Matters, advice on coming out, aging gracefully, a career in music, quarantine food failures, and more with my very special guest, Dear Nora's Katie Davidson. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Portland, Oregon. Friends, producer Ponyo and I come to you from within a pandemic, from within the wildfires that are engulfing the West Coast, and now from within a cloud of smoke that has descended upon Portland, Oregon. I'm tapping in before my talk with Katie Davidson just to let you know that producer Ponyo and I are safe, we are healthy, we are indoors. Um, Portland's air quality today is quote-unquote hazardous, which is basically worse than the worst air that I've ever seen on a map or on an air map. Uh, We're looking forward to getting to very unhealthy, which should be happening next week. Or, I mean, sorry, you know, starting tomorrow or whenever you're listening to this. And then unhealthy by the end of the week, knock on wood. But we're in a home We're in front of a box fan with a filter tape to it. There's a pot of herbs on the stove that's making steam to support our respiratory systems. When I go outside to let the dog out, I'm wearing a gas mask. We are doing the best we can. This week, I have found some joy in watching the movie Babe again, one of my favorites. As you know, Babe, Pig in the City is my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. If you're looking for a good cry that's a little heartwarming, I do recommend Babe. I also revisited my favorite television show, The Amazing Race. That's one of my favorites. My, my favorite reality show, I should say. Um, I just chose a random season, season 27. It really delivered some mindless fun that I could just binge the Kokimi Company in between refreshing fire maps, looking at people I love as a fire got closer and closer to them. Thus far, we are safe. The people we love are safe. And listeners, I hope that you are safe. Ponyo and I are sending you our love. We are wrapping our hairy arms around you wherever you are. But in particular, if you're on the West Coast and you're facing the apocalyptic seeming outside where it's foggy all day and the sun is red or orange, everything is tinged and smoky, and to go outside feels like walking directly into a bonfire, we send you a cleansing breath. We send you our hairy arms and all of our love to you, your loved ones, the trees and animals that you love. We hope that they're all safe and protected, and we're wishing you the very, very best. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch. Keep sending us your advice questions. We'll keep making the podcast, and we're so, so happy to have this community of listeners from around the world. So we hope you have a good week, whatever that means for you, and much love to you from me and producer Ponyo. And I'm going to make an assumption here for producer Chris. Okay, bye. Katie Davidson is the musician behind the bands Dear Nora and Key Losers. The reissue of their rarities compilation called Three States will be released as a triple vinyl box set on September 18th with Arindal Records. Katie joined me via Zoom from Joshua Tree, California to talk shop, talk about aging gracefully, making boundaries, our biggest quarantine food failures, advice, and more. Now please enjoy my talk with Libra friend to the show, Katie Davidson. 
nice to see you so nice to see you <laughs> the whole interview i'm just feeding you lines <laughs> say this it'll be more entertaining hey everybody okay um katie davidson welcome back to sagittarian matters thank you i love this podcast Katie, we have so many advice questions, but you're here yeah. on the occasion of the reissue of your rarities compilation, Three States, that's coming out September 18th with Arindal Records. Are you stoked? Yeah, I am. I mean, it feels weird because it's like um, a celebration of music I made tw like 20 years ago. So um, it's not like hey world here's my new shit like check it out but it's like hey world here's this music i made when my brain wasn't formed and i was um like singing my singing like the thoughts that i put in my journal and trying to make good pop songs so yeah this is how i feel about so i did this zine for listeners who don't know called invincible summer that i still do but I did it starting when I was 19 and I had an anthology come out when I was like 23. And so when people tell me now, like, I loved your graphic novel, so I bought Invincible Summer Volume 1. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, I, I value that teenager. And yet yeah. I would love to shepherd them toward something a little newer. Yeah, I know. It's weird when you have like a career that spans 20 years there's going to be a difference from the beginning to where you are now. And like, for example, if you go onto the Dear Nora Spotify page and you like, apparently people these days don't like pick albums and play them. They just like play the top songs and that's how you form your entire 
picture of who that artist might be. And it's like mostly songs I wrote when I was 22. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a little strange, but you know, on like, I also have to honor that person and also just sort of, you have to just sort of release what you claim of that and like let other people have it's almost like you have to let other people have it at this point because it just doesn't even belong to me anymore you know what I mean that's the thing is you make your art you put it out into the world and what happens next is not up to you whether it's whether people like it whether people don't like it whether they engage with it or don't I want to know anything else you want to say about this box set or your music before we get to all the other fascinating questions we have yeah about this box set and my music i mean yeah like for people who may have the means like and who might know my music and might be into it like i think that you would like this box set i think i put a ton of energy into writing like a six-page booklet um and i it was really hard to write but i think that means that like something came out of it like i I really had to dig deep and sort of encapsulate like a time in history, which is like, you know, 20 years ago, Portland, Oregon um, and San Francisco. Um, And it's it's a historical record at this point. I mean, literally a historical record. Um, You know, we we were operating at a time when the Internet like wasn't fracturing our brain and you know, it was in nine eleven hadn't happened, and there was just like, obviously, the world was probably just as fucked up as as it is now. But climate change wasn't quite as bad. Um, but, um, but we, but not everyone felt that way. It didn't. Things didn't feel as edgy and shitty as they do now. Um, so I think it's sort of fascinating to look back to that time when you could almost operate in the world with, like being a little bit more naive. Not I'm, I want to be clear, not that that's good. I understand that, that things were really shitty for a lot of people back then, but this is just a weird a weird time capsule um, in like sort of fascinating way, especially on, on like the the, um, the technological timeline. Does that make sense? It does. And I just you know so we're talking about something that you made 20 years ago, and here we are. 20 years hence, both sitting in places surrounded by fires. Exactly. Where there's a plague and white supremacists both running amok. I'm waiting for the frogs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's, we got to call out the elephant in the room. I mean, we're recording this Zoom call as we are, we are in, you're, you're in Portland, Oregon, correct? Mm-hmm. And I'm in Joshua Tree, California. Um, your, your skies are smoky. Uh, we had a kind of clear day today, but the smoke is rolling in. I mean, we we got to call out the, the – give a little context here. Like, we're sort of recording a podcast at the edge of hell. Yeah. I mean, right now, Oregon is burning. There's so many people – there's entire towns that are gone. People's homes, yeah. people's businesses, so many animals, so many trees. And I just got a text from my landlord here of the place I'm subletting saying, hey – just want to make sure you have an evacuation plan because Milwaukee, Oregon is at a wow. level one. I have a separate issue to talk to you about before we get to advice. Okay. Can you tell me some quarantine food fails? <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this on and off. 
but not on the podcast. Okay. So I just want to, okay, let me talk about food during quarantine in general. Yeah. So for any of the deep Sagittarian Matters heads out there who heard the last time I was on this podcast and we did a hummus taste testing, we were talking about how, like, I, I live in a sort of small town and I, I already struggle with the food that's available here. And so, cause I was, cause I'm spoiled and I lived in Portland and I accidentally became a foodie. So, so the, I'm painting a picture. I'm creating a baseline here. Baseline is like, like food's tough in my zone already, even though it's getting better, it's still tough. Okay. COVID hits within like three weeks, not even two weeks, the only pizza place in town closed. So it's like, <laughs> it's like even like the pizza place that was making halfway decent pizza where you could be like, you know what? I'll get pizza tonight. Like within weeks, it was just like, cool, we're out. Peace. And like shut, like shuttered windows. So that, so the, the gist is like, it's fucking tough out here. And then you're like, okay, I guess I'll go shopping at Vons again because there's no co-op or, or I guess there's, okay, there's a health food store. I want to give it credit, but you know, it's like, it's, it's a limited selection. Um, so the gist is, so yeah. So then you're starting to make, you make every meal. You have to make every fucking meal. Wait, I think we've covered this, but we can say fuck, right? Yeah. Okay. So you have to make every fucking meal you eat during COVID because you're not supposed to go out. At least we thought that at the beginning. Of course, now we can kind of get takeout, but even the takeout images or uh, uh, options, sorry, options here are so deeply limited. So the painting the picture is just like, I was in a very dark food zone within the COVID era, like within like weeks of it hitting, I just was like, there is no hope. And I didn't get into that like sourdough, like sourdough trend, you know, I was kind of like, I guess I'm just making the same things I always make that I'm already sick of now, but making them more often. But I wanted, did want to tell you about the absolute wor- worst the worst of the pan- of the covid era foods which is that was right after was right after like mid march when everything locked down and every single person like lost their freaking mind and like sold and trader joe's sold out like like sold out of food so my partner was dri- i was in joshua tree my partner was driving back um from la and stopped try you know we we stocked up on food we weren't in a dire situation but like so we, we had some stuff. She stopped at the only open Trader Joe's just to see if they had a few extra things we could pick up because we we're all supposed to stay home and never leave. And so she, one of the things she was able to get and literally like out of like the three things that were actually left on the shelf was like some frozen scallops. Uh, Did I tell you about uh, Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. It's... So first of all, it's Trader Joe's frozen scallops. <laughs> and second of all, we've never like was tr- I was trying to imagine when like if I had ever even had a scallop before <laughs> and not only ever had one and then like have I ever cooked one. So we just like we just did it so wrong and it was like <laughs> so by far the absolute worst thing we could have eaten like when your spirits are already down because there's no food out here. And then like in like a cast iron pan like 
poorly heating up some like rancid smelling <laughs> scallops that we put over some quinoa and broccoli. Gross. <laughs> it was so gross. And then we were eating it, watching a TV show. And we just were like, kind of like, maybe like wondering if we should look at each other to acknowledge like how <laughs> disgusting the dinner we were eating. <laughs> and finally, you know, at a certain point we did like look over and we were like, okay, yeah, this is disgusting. <laughs> but that was by far the low point. I, it's hard for me to think, you know, the thing about the low points now is like, if something gets fucked up, you can't return it. You can't say anything. Like, it's just like, you're just grateful. You're like, you know, someone delivers food, they deliver the wrong thing. You're like, well, that's what happened. Somebody went out. I just paid somebody money to go out into the storm of COVID and pick up takeout or whatever for me. And now there's nothing to do but be grateful. And be like, yeah. thank you for this. Like, I don't like meat noodles somebody brought to my house before because the restaurant was out of vegetarian noodles. And then I just had to be like, thank you so much. Here's your giant tip. And then just like think, like, who do I know that eats beef? And like, oh text, like, text quo and be like, would you like this? <laughs> um, also, nobody told me that Thai Noon was bad yeah. now. Thai Noon has turned. They are bad now. I do want to tell you that last weekend, uh, I went to the coast and I really wanted like a gross ass frappuccino kind of coffee on the way because I woke up from a nap in the car and we went through a Dutch Brothers drive through Definitely got COVID. <laughs> and two teenagers wearing masks like hung out the window and were like, what's up? Welcome to Dutch Brothers. And I was asking him all these questions, like, do you guys do, like, frappuccino kind of things? What flavors? Like, we got mocha, we got coconut, we got caramel. And I was like, do you have coffee? And he was like, oh, we got coffee flavor. And I was like, could you do that with soy milk? He's like, we totally could do that with soy milk. And I was like, okay, great, I'll get one of those. He's like, oh, we can't take orders right now. Our iPad's down. Sorry. And I was like, oh, we have cash. And he was like, oh, no, we can't take cash because of COVID. And I was like, were just talking to you? well, that's what I said. I was like, so we were just having this conversation for fun. And he's like, yeah, basically. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so, wait, wait, really quick. I thought of the flip side to my scallop story, which was like that was like the deepest food fail. I thought of like the deepest food triumph, which hopefully this translates. But um, like, okay, so picture like me just being in that world of like scallop sadness for like this first six weeks of lockdown, then. I don't remember how uh, all the details on how this happened, but anyway, we, I, I, we rent a place, we rent a room in Pasadena. So anyway, after like six weeks, I was like, I need, I need something. I need to be in a different place. Like I'm already losing my shit. And so I went to Pasadena and I was like, it's the city. You can get takeout. Like gotta support the restaurants, like support the small businesses. This is a good thing to do. And also I'm literally dying inside because of the, the we can't have no we have no food variety and I thrive on variety and so I was like I'm gonna order tacos like the most basic food that would normally just be like oh we're gonna get tacos like I was like almost crying even ordering it and then I picked it up and brought it back home and I was crying while eating it because I couldn't believe how good tacos tasted like it was like almost like spiritual
Today's episode is brought to you by Maria Turner Carney, Emily Helmus, Grace Lambert, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, Mary Pinson, Michelle Lemoyne, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your choice, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Or, this just in, he's got a Venmo, Hell Books, on Venmo. That's H-E double hockey sticks books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, you. Don't be scared, that's just Ponyo's voice. We want to give a special shout-out this week to Sagittarian Test Kitchen sous chef Kaya Wilson for preparing the tahini sweet potato for us to try. Thank you, Chef Kaya. We appreciate your support. Dear Sagittarian Matters, After some personal inventorying and assessment this spring, I decided to divest from white cis men. All the friendships where I was doing 90% of the work, being used as a therapist or emotional lodestone, human Rolodex, feminist band-aid, etc. I have in turn doubled down on other equitable relationships in my life, and it's phenomenal. Some of the men I have divested from seem a little confused that I'm not showing up for them the ways I historically have. Do I owe them an explanation or heads up? From Query in Quebec. I think if you're talking about cis white men, I think that this person having that conversation with them could lead to this person doing more quote unquote emotional labor or like explaining or coddling or caretaking than they really need to have in their life. If this person's feeling groovy with their life, that's okay. And they can just, it's okay to be like, oh, I'm just busy or gosh, I just really had to like double down on these people or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I guess the short answer is like, no, I don't think an explanation is needed. Because um, I, I guess the clarifying question, would, which maybe is specified in the question is um, uh, the advice question, which is like um, the the details of the relationship to this person. So but it sounds like so these aren't like close friends. These are just like people that need something. Is that right? Like, or just like, or like, it's all the, the details. All the friendships where I was doing 90% of the work, being used as a therapist or emotional lodestone, human Rolodex, feminist band-aid. I would say also you could say, you know, I just really have to take care of myself right now, you know, and so I just, I had to take a step back. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, okay, first of all, no explanation needed if they never come back to you to be like, hey, what the fuck happened? Where are you? Like, okay, you don't need to reach out and explain, but if they do do that, then then I agree with what you just said. And that seems totally valid. Would you be able to say like, oh, I just really had to, I really have to like get my own house in order right now. And so I don't have a lot of extra energy, but you know, take care. Sure. I mean, I guess you could bring up the nature of your relationship. I mean, I guess, but I, you're, but I want to support you in saying like, when you said like, don't, don't, don't make it more work. You know, because you are probably going to have to get into some big conversation with them if you're like, our relationship is draining me. You know, it's okay. Yeah. I get it. See, uh, see, you don't you don't want to you don't want to like to to like uh, encourage that even more shit. 
the times that I have tried to have these teachable moments with cisgendered white straight guys have ended up with me getting really drained and having to do a lot more teaching and explaining and justifying, arguing and defending than was worth it. And I don't think they came away with anything. Uh, Like times where it was like, straight guy who I was hanging out with wanted to follow me to the gay club because it seemed like a fun party and me being like, no, you can't come. Here's why. And then they'd be like, why can't I go to every space I want to? Or me having breakfast with a straight guy friend and saying like, ah, I'm just not taking in any more narratives this year from straight white guys. You know, I've got quite enough from the world. And him being like, what about, uh, you know, not all men. What about just all those things that left me felt so upset and drained and then a little bit angry at those people that I think it's better if you need to conserve your resources right now we are in the middle of a fiery apocalypse I think you have every right to just conserve those resources instead of having to make it a teachable moment yeah I just want to take like totally um, I just want to take like 10 to 15 seconds to bring up the the thing that might be affecting my answer which is that I'm not like I have a lot of guy friends um, and I don't, I don't experience what this person's just just describing from them. Like it feels like pretty reciprocal, like our relationships, but I also am not like, I don't know what this person's like, but I'm also not like feminine presenting. And I don't think these guys are trying to do like surrogate mom situation. Like they treat me kind of like a guy friend, I think, whatever that might mean. So I don't know if that plays a role, but I'm just suggesting that it might, might, you know? I Yeah, I think in my cases at times when I've had to have these conversations with men, there has been more of an expectation of like, why don't you give me the thing I want? Why don't you pay attention to me? Like, what are you trying to say? Like, it's, exactly. real, it's real confusing and hard for them. But I do want to say one more thing, which is that I've found that it benefits me as I, as I go forward in life. To, what, to have the difference between like cutting someone off with an axe versus like a scalpel. Like there's a difference between a reduction of services and just cutting someone off completely. And so yeah. I wonder if there's an in-between zone where you're no longer available for problems. You just, you know, you train them how to, te- how to treat you. You train them that you're not going to answer their texts right away. You train them right. that you're a little too busy for their problem or for whatever. And so you're still on friendly terms. Something terrible happens to them. They still feel like they didn't, you know, you're not enemies, but they know that you're no longer that source for that thing. Yep. Totally into that. Dear yeah. Katie Davidson, how does one gracefully age in spirit as much as in body? Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, well, you know, I was reading, okay, I don't want to get too zoomed out here, but I was reading through a lot of the um so I was asked via my Instagram that that you're reading to me here, and one and I I was like I was starting to think that I might have the same answer for every single dang question. What, so what is that answer? I'll, 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 I'll be a little more nuanced with each one. Okay, so a lot of these questions and this one in particular, it seems like the struggle is that you you're you might be, and I could be wrong you might be resisting aging. You might be like n- not flowing with it. Like 
worried like it's like is it it seems like it might be linked to like an anxiety or a fear of like what what is gonna happen am i gonna um like body's not gonna work as well i'm not gonna be as hot or cute or like you know and i guess the point is like i would encourage you to just let all that go and just sort of just just try to just just be who you are and Take good care of yourself. Eat, eat as well as you can without being a freak about it. Have a good time. Laugh with your friends. Um, and also just know that, like, aging is beautiful. Like, like when, I, when, when I see people just age and, 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 like, and, like, continue on with the things in their lives that, that bring them joy, um, like hanging out with friends and laughing and, like it doesn't matter if you're old or young and it doesn't matter if you have wrinkles or you're not as hot as you used to be when you were like 27. Like, you know, I don't know. I, on a personal level, I, I think aging is really beautiful and like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm conditioned just as much as everyone else. Like I'll, I'll see a picture of like someone will post a picture of me or, and I'll be like, Oh God, I look so old. And then, but you know what I mean? I think everyone does this. You get your wrinkle, you get your first wrinkles and then you're like, your your face looks different than it used to and your neck looks weird and you're you have like weirder posture and like you're like you, you're like wait is that my I look like my mom or I look like my dad and you're like kind of start freaking out but I mean fuck it man like just own it I think a couple of things <laughs> I think you need to moderate what goes in you need to moderate your input you know, if you don't see, if you're not following things that reflect back where you are in the stuff you consume, of course you're not going to feel good about your reflection. Like if you're following, if you're just getting pictures of like 28-year-olds and your Instagram stream all day long and you're looking yeah. at that and then you look at a picture of yourself, you're going to be like, Whoa! but if you follow other people of appropriate age or if you find some aging icons, I mean, I remember... Michelle T, when we went on Sister Spit so long ago, she was like, okay, like Patti Smith and Eileen Miles are my aging icons. Like the way yeah. these, like identify in your mind people that have aged in a way that you want to age and look at them. Don't look at, you know, 23 year olds that are posting themselves on TikTok. Look at, like populate your feeds or the things that you're looking at with people who, you know, are advancing in a way that you would like to advance. And I can never recommend enough befriending people that are genuinely senior citizens because I volunteer with senior citizens for 10 years and actual senior citizens who were like, oh, my God, I wish I was 50. God, I was like in the prime of my life. And then I had friends turning 30 that were like, can you believe it? My life is over. And it gave a nice perspective to be like, eh, like we're not old. Yeah. Like approaching middle age is not old. And I'm assuming that anyone who wrote this question is probably just creeping towards middle age. Yeah. It's, yeah. It would be funny if they were like 24 or like, <laughs> or like, or like, or they'd be also funny if they were 74. Wait, can I just really quick agree with basically everything you said, but push back on one tiny little aspect of it? No. Which is, you no. Know, <laughs> My my podcast, my rules. <laughs> Judge George um, is presiding. <laughs> okay, I agree. Like the uh, that you know, at least in your social media feed, like 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Don't just only follow like, like very hot 20 something people like, but make it a continuum. Like I think the thing is that I want to get at is um, I'm, I, I'm friends with a lot of people that are older than me. I'm friends with people that are my age. I'm friends with people that are younger than me. And I, I get a lot from people that are different ages than me, including a lot from people who are younger. And, and like, I like staying up on pop culture and I like knowing what like teenagers are into now, just like on a pop culture level. And I think like, that's kind of, I think that's fun. And the only, the only thing I wanted to clarify, which I don't even know if you were saying is like, don't just be like, I'm 40. And so now I'm going to act 40. Damn it. Like, I think it's okay to be like, what's going on on TikTok? What, like, what's the new, what's the new friggin' weird SoundCloud rap song that I should like? Like, I think it's cool to be interested in things that are younger than you, things that are older. Like, just make it a, like, a, a really organic continuum, you know? Well, I guess, yes. But I guess I'm just saying, if you are getting images of people younger and you're comparing yourself to them, just take a break from those images. Yeah. You know, which is different than engaging with youth culture. I agree. I agree. Hi listeners. It's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo in particular, our comics and animal illustrations, Go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Let's do rapid fire. Okay. What's the reward of making art? Release, communion, recognition, risk? I was thinking about this and I don't have a good answer. And I would say it's probably all of those things, but I would think more, much more importantly, it's about connecting with something that's much larger and more mysterious and unexplainable than we are. Mm. Um. I think the reward of making art is release and connecting to the the world at large and, and being of service to trying to pay back the service that art did for me as a young person. Mm-hmm. How, this is another rapid fire advice question. How do I get over heartbreak? You know, first thing I'll say is listen to a lot of Sagittarian matters because there's a lot of good advice. Um, in, men, in so many previous episodes that I that will do a better job at answering this. But, God, you know what? I was just going to say, I'll go rapid fire here. Like, take care of yourself. Know that it's not permanent. Know that heartbreak inevitably feels like the darkest thing ever and and that it will end. And just in the meantime, you do what you can do. Take Take good care of yourself. Be with your friends. Try to laugh watch your favorite show, do some self-care and know that it's shitty and admit that it's shitty, but it will end. Yeah. Also, I would say connect with some kind of art that 
right sizes things. That either reminds you of your place in the universe, of the world, or that connects you to something that's totally different and separate from that experience and that person. Yeah. Just to remind yourself how big your life is, how big the potential for your life is, and the, how like big that. the world is. Yep. How to deal... This is another question. How to deal with being an LGBTQ kid in a very strict religious country and household? Yeah, this this shit is very real. That's a real question. Um, I mean, they're all real questions, but this shit is real, man. Right? This is a life. This is a life situation. So I want to honor and respect that. And I might. I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you you're gonna say, but. I was ruminating on this a little bit and I'll still try to go rapid fire. I would say if there's no opportunity for you to get out now, if you can't freely express yourself and be who you are, you need basically, this might be fucked up, but you may need to do what you need to do to get yourself old enough to, to go to eventually go to a place where you feel more accepted and you feel like, more like who you you can you know be who you want to be so i'm gonna be kind of fucked up here but you know if that takes like being okay trying to be okay with who you are inside but being closeted for the next three years until you're out of high school or whatever your country has like and then maybe you can move to new york city or something like feel free to push back on this, but I'm like, I want you to stay. I want this person to stay safe. I want them to, um, you know, like not be thrown in prison. And I want them to try to like cultivate a rich inner world while they're in this situation and know just sort of like the heartbreak question, like heartache question, it will get better. You're going to get older and you hopefully I, I assume might be able to make some more choices when you're older that will lead you to a place where you can be more yourself. What do you think? I agree with you. I think the only thing we know for sure is change. Your life's going to change when you get older. Do anything you need to do to keep yourself safe. But just that includes do what you need to do to uh, mentally protect yourself from the messaging that's happening in your household and in your country. Because there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with the world. You loving who you want to love, being who you need to be, there's nothing wrong with that. And so I want you to try and cultivate some kind of practice, whether that's you know, just with you or with a community of people you find online or wherever, but cultivate some practice of um, insulating yourself from negative, negative viewpoints of people around you who just don't get it. Because there are people who get it. There are people for you in the world. And you may just need to wait and you'll find them a little later when you're safe. One last thing super quick, and I agree with all that, is just for this person to know that even in their like repressed community, they're not alone even there. There are other people all around them, 10% or more even, of people that might be feeling the same things they're feeling. That's true. Um, we've got three questions that are basically the same question. How do you stay hopeful about the world right now and or sane? Yeah, I mean, it is, let's be real. It is very difficult right now to do uh, what you're asking. Um, but um, 
I can tell you what I do, and I don't know if it'll work for everyone, but I can tell you what I do. I like to hang out with dogs because the dog is just just pure love and light, and the dog doesn't care if there's a scary wildfire, and the dog hasn't even heard of racism, and the dog doesn't know about our government, and the dog doesn't know anything except for it's it's it likes to go on walks. And you know what? I like to go on walks, too. And it likes to be outside. And I like to be outside, too. And this, I'm doing an, an intense simplification, but I'm telling you what keeps me sane is, like, looking into the sweet eyes of a dog that's just sort of wagging its tail and excited to eat its dog food, you know? <laughs> There's, like, <laughs> like their life life goes on for them. And... And there's, there is, it's simple, it's simple, but there is a, there is some kind of lesson there. Um, what, what else I do to stay sane? You gotta, you gotta listen to music, dance, put on some salsa music, do some dance. I like to dance, you know, put, lay out your yoga mat, put on your socks and dance in your living room. Um, you know, um, watch a funny show, like after a day of activism and working hard and like put on a funny show watch some Chris Farley laugh a little bit, you know, um, you can't, you can't fight. You can't fight all the time every day. That's, I think that's okay. If I'm going rapid fire, that's what I got. Can I ask quickly the yoga mat? Is that for, if you're doing the worm or something or, or what? It's like, it's just a shot. Just a sh- I have a concrete floor. It's a little bit of a shock absorber. Oh, I see. It's ergonomic yeah. dancing. Ergonomic. It's ergonomic. That's how to age gracefully. Um, I think, I mean, part of it is compartmentalization for me and just really trying to be in the moment of the good things that are happening in my life. And then one of the, one of the compartments is just being in the moment of the good things that are happening in my life. The other compartment is doing whatever I can to be of service and understanding this is something that, um, Beth Pickens recommended after the election in 2016, she had a booklet called Making Art During Fascism, and it had people write down a list of um, things they do have to offer and things, uh, organizations they care, organizations and causes they care about that are outside of them, that are for other communities that are not them, and then what they do have to offer, what resources, and what they don't have to offer. So then you're taking a little bit of that anxiety off the table of you feeling like you constantly need to be doing a lot because now you know, here's what I do have to offer. So using that and being able to give the things that I do have to offer every day relieves me of some of the like overwhelming kind of kitchen sink anxiety of like, you're not doing enough. The world is burning. Grab a bucket because I'm like, okay, I did my bucket for the day. I did my phone calls or I did my fundraiser or I gave money or I did my action for the day. Um, here's these other things that are not in my control. I also, and I've posted these on Instagram and talked about on the podcast, but I like to make a list. I make a gratitude list. What do I have right now? There's a lot of things I don't have. What do I have? What, what is for sure? Be with your feet, be where you are. Don't let your head spin out about what's going to happen in six months. Be with your feet, make a gratitude list, make a list of things that are in my control. The list of things that are out of my control. Things I'm going to do for my body today. What music am I going to listen to? I have to make sure I listen to music because I forget and I'll just listen to the news and podcasts. And then limit doom scrolling. You got to limit. You could doom scroll forever. Um, So I do those things and yeah, I just, and just really appreciate what you do have. Appreciate this moment. You know, are you in danger this moment? If not, great. 
What's the next thing to do? One foot in front of the other. One more thing that's crucial to remember is the and this is it is hard to remember because this is doesn't seem like it's reflected in electoral politics, but like the majority of people don't want the the shitty shit that's happening right now. The majority of people, at least, okay, at least maybe maybe worldwide, but like, let's say like maybe yeah, probably worldwide, but let's just break it down to the U.S. The majority of the people don't want the president we have right now. Um, the majority of people don't want the climate to change. They wish we it wouldn't. They most people want nice days and not scary wildfires, et cetera, et cetera. Most people don't want a pandemic to be shutting down our lives and our economy. And so it's like we're not we're we're in this together, even though it doesn't feel like it. We're not alone, and we're just we gotta we gotta work together, y'all. Like. We're we're not alone in this. Like we're facing some dire shit, but it is true that we we are just we are not alone. And there are, there are a lot of people, even people that seem like they might be on a different side of the political spectrum, that might even want the same things of you as you in in certain respects. This is our last question, dear Katie Davidson. What is the secret to the guitar tone on the song "Defeated and Lonely"? I had to answer this one on Instagram because it was so Dear Nora specific. So the question is, what's the secret to the guitar tone on the Dear Nora song Defeated and Lonely, which is a song that came out on an album in 2006? Um, very, and this is what I wrote. Very what? topical question. Very topical. Topical, the, topical because that's the name of my band. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and answer that. So, no, I... Um, I spoiled it on Instagram, but I'll go ahead and, and, and spill the beans here too. So um, the gist is that um, I um, played my guitar through a Silvertone amp that was broken and I recorded it uh, using a very crappy microphone that I got for under a hundred dollars. And um, I recorded the sound of it through that crappy microphone onto a, a, a shitty like like used cassette tape so I think the gist is I I that answer might sound a little smarmy like oh it's just I just it's just like it sounds cool because it sounds crappy but it's like I'm just being honest it's a li- I guess the 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 theme is use what you have and and make it sound as good as you can like if you have those crappy items like go find a room that sounds really good play your guitar in a beautiful sounding room so then your crappy sounding mic picks up the sound of the beautiful sounding room and like holy crap you just made something magic like alchemy like this thing that never existed before uh by by blending those those two disparate elements that's my answer Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.